Well, take your Bibles tonight and go to 2 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to continue on in our series in 2 Samuel when a nation needs revival. And we're coming to some passages of Scripture, some verses that, as maybe uh, you considered last week and certainly was the case uh, as I studied these out, that I've read through them, but I've never really just uh, zeroed in on these passages. But as is the case with just the Word of God in general, there's a lot to take in right here. And some really practical and helpful things that I think will be a, a blessing as we pay attention to them. So we've been focusing in on, on Abner and uh, the ambition of Abner that we ought to avoid the absurdity. That's where we started. Avoid the absurdity of Abner. We'll, we'll need to review a little bit of that as we get into it because it has everything to do with what we're looking at tonight. And then even the ambition of Abner. And so let's begin our reading. Let's just get right to it here this evening, if we may. 2 Samuel 3, in, uh, in verse number 22. And then maybe after you're seated, if you mark Romans 12, that'll help at the end of the message. And we'll turn to Romans chapter 12 and uh, look at a New Testament passage here just, just for the sake of reading and applying what we're considering tonight. <clears throat> okay, you ready? All right, let's see. Is that three? Just want to make sure we had at least three people on board. So yeah, that's good. All right. So look at verse number 22. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came up from pursuing a troop and brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he was gone in peace. When Joab and all the hosts that was with him were come, they told Joab saying, Abner, the son of Ner came to the king and he has sent him away. And he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Can you imagine talking to the king this way? <clears throat> We're talking about Joab. He's a puzzling individual. Um, don't be a Joab. All right, just know that up front. Right? Okay, what hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away? And he is quite gone. Thou knowest, Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee and to know thy going out and thy coming in and to know all that thou doest. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah. But da watch this. But David knew it not. David knew it not. Verse 27, and when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib. Let me pause right there. Joab's kind of known for the fifth rib treatment. Okay. He gave him the fifth rib treatment that he died. For the blood of Azahel, his brother, everybody, everybody catch that? For the blood of Azahel, his or Joab's brother. And afterward, verse 28, when David heard it, he said, I, my kingdom, are guiltless before the Lord forever for the, from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And let there not fail from the house of Joab one that hath an issue, or that is a leper, or that leaneth on a staff, or that falleth on the sword, or that lacketh bread. 
that's quite a curse right there. That's uh, some of the curse from uh, like the law in, in the book of uh, Leviticus and other places that would talk about the curse that would come on those that are out of God's will. So verse 30, Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner because he had slain their brother Azahel at Gibeon in the battle. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, rend your clothes and gird your sackcloth, I'm sorry, gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner and David and King David himself followed the buyer and they buried Abner in Hebron and the king lifted up his voice. I'm reading over that like it's not a big deal. The king, David, it's referring to David as king. This is the first passage is referring to him as king of Israel. So that's no small deal. It really isn't. So he lifts up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner and all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth? Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. And when all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David swore, saying, so, so do God to me, and more also if I taste bread or aught else, till the sun be down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them. As whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people of Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner, the son of Ner. So that must be significant right there, right? There must be a background to this as to why it's so Important for them to know David had nothing to do with this. We'll get into that as we get into the preaching, verse 38. And the king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? Can I be honest with you? I'm kind of doubting uh, David's thought process right there. Abner? Now, great in what sense? Maybe that could be qualified. Um, a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel. Um, we'll look at that here in just a little bit. Verse 39, I am this day weak, though anointed king. I, I'm weak. Um, some of this idea here is uh, gentle, um, gracious. I am weak this day, though anointed king. He's troubled by these things that have happened, and rightly so, rightly so about that, no doubt about it. And then look what he says about these men, the sons of Zeruiah, uh, be too hard for me. They're his nephews. And he's saying they're hard to handle. You know, it's almost like David was saying, you know, Goliath was a lot easier than this. <laughs> they're too hard for me. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. So what a great statement there. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his great wickedness. I'm not, I'm not going I'm, I'm to um, say otherwise here tonight. There, there's a lot of confusing things kind of going on in here. Uh, there always is when sin's involved. So tonight, here's the title. Those who act in bitterness act on their own. 
Those who act in bitterness act on their own. No authorization for it. Those who act in bitterness act on their own. I want you to think about this now. We've got two sides of this. I believe there's a ditch on both sides of the road. So often there is, right? Well, I guess there always is. A ditch on both sides of the road. We need with God's help when we face some times of bitterness to avoid the aggressiveness or aggression of Joab. But we also need to be aware of the passivity of David. Now, I hate to point that out because I like David. How many, who else likes David in here? I'm, I'm pro-David. I'm pro-David. And, um, but there's, there's two concerns here. And when we deal with the issues of life, um, we tend to gravitate one way or the other. And sometimes we overcompensate. Okay, if nobody's dealing with bitterness, we can just go to the next chapter. But <laughs> probably if there's going to be some times that you're going to have some people that are going to hurt you or disappoint you, you're probably going to need this message. So here it is. Those who act in bitterness act on their own. So may God bless the reading of his word. Thank you for standing for a good bit. And uh, I'm going to trust that you'll follow along here tonight and let's work on this together and then we'll make some application and, and uh, head into the week. But <clears throat> I really hadn't considered too much about Abner. I mean, I know the story's there, but as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I just hadn't really paid too much attention to Abner and the ins and outs of it, but... There's no denying this fact that, and I know I've hit it each week, but I think it's important for us because there's a lot for us to learn here. It's so often the case, we look into the Word of God, we're looking into a mirror, and I can see myself right here. How about you? Yeah. My job as a preacher is to hold up the mirror of God's Word and let you see yourself, and sometimes I don't like what I see. But I need to see what I see here, and it'll help us. And Abner... Um, the absurdity of Abner is that he knew very clearly God's will was that David was to be the king, not just of Judah, but he was indeed to be the king of all Israel. And David had to be patient for that to happen. He's, he's not, not going to be officially appointed king of Israel till chapter five. So we still got chapter four to go. So this took a ton of patience on, on David's part. And especially once you take into account that he was anointed king as a young teenager in all those years of being hunted down by Saul. I mean, that, that in itself um, is, is quite an insightful study. But, but here's Abner and he knew full well, he knew that David was to be the king of all Israel. And yet he set up Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. Now I, I need to, I need to re reintroduce this to some of these guests. I wish we could, I wish it could almost be like an episode. Uh, last week we, you know, and just have a little clip played, but, but it just takes a little bit of work. And I know that you understand. And, and that's part of preaching is just kind of relaying the groundwork. Cause there's people here that weren't here a few weeks ago. We want everybody to follow along and know what the word of God is talking about. And so Ishbosheth was appointed by Abner. Abner was the cousin of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, they wanted a king to be like all the other nations. And so God gave them what they wanted at a time when they didn't want God. And that's what happened is they got Saul. Chaos ensued in the nation. Uh, Saul was a, 
was, was a self-willed king in so many ways. He did some good things. I'm not taking that away, but anyways, he was acting that way. And, and so then Abner just kind of moves in on the scene. He's his general, and he appoints the last living son of Saul named Ishbosheth to be basically his puppet king. And so he could kind of get um, his own way. Uh, Abner was on a power trip, and, and so we covered a lot of that last week. We talked about the ambition of Abner. Uh, they're located on the other side of the Jordan River. Uh, uh, God had given them that west side of the Jordan, but they relocated on in Mahanaim on the other side because they're, Israel's so out of God's will that they lost ground. Listen, when you get out of God's will, then you begin to lose ground even spiritually. And that's what happened there in Mahanaim. And so there they are. And, and, and so Abner knew God's will and and yet he was asserting his own will, and that's absurd. And so that's, that's the first lesson that we learned from Abner is that when, listen, it's not like we don't know God's will, but it's, it's absurd when you and I know God's will and we still do our own thing anyways. And so he had set up Ishbosheth as the king of Israel. David is appointed by the men of Judah as the king down to the south. He's made his headquarters in Hebron. And so he's there and waiting the time in which he'd be king. And so it's actually a seven and a half year period in which he's waiting to become the king of all Israel. Well, there's a little bit of a blow up between um, Abner and Ishbosheth. And that's what we spent most of our time on last week as um, Abner, the Bible says that he was, he made himself strong. He was, he was really crossing some boundaries. And so Ishbosheth called him out for going into his father's concubine. Um, Rizpah was her name. And so uh, when a king had a harem, then it got passed down to the ne last, next harem, uh, to the next king. And we established last week that a man ought to have only one wife. Amen. We came down on firm ground there that a man ought to have one wife. That's God's will. So even David himself is in violation of God's will here. So you see a lot of chaos ensuing just because of sin. I said, you see a lot of chaos ensuing because of sin. I just thought I'd hit that point one more time because life gets chaotic out from under God's control. So Ishbosheth is accusing Abner of going into his father's concubine. And Abner says, am I a dead dog's head that you should accuse me of doing such a, 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 an act? And so he didn't ever confess whether he did or not. I tend to think he probably did. But nonetheless, he's saying, you're wrong for calling me out for this. I'm shifting my allegiance to David. And we would say, well, finally, you know, that's kind of what you want to think. You want to think, well, finally, he's going to begin now to do God's will and, and shifting. He begins with the elders of Israel and, and then he goes to, he sends messengers rather to David. And, and David says, um, I will on the condition that Michael gets to come back and be my wife. Michael was the daughter of Saul. And so David is also recognizing I've got, I've got to get on Israel's side here. And so he says, I want Michael back. She was his rightful wife. And he already had, what was it, six already? Not like he needed another one, but it was a little bit of a political move. Probably more politics involved in this than romance. Though I think David cared for Michael. I'm not taking away from that. And, and, and the, by the way, this is not pick on David Knight. Please rest assured. I'm not trying to do that at all, all right? I'm just trying to observe, hey, listen, there's sometimes even God's people gets out of sorts with God. 
and begin to manipulate a situation. So he says, I want Michael back. And so uh, she's sent back and, and Abner is, is a part of that. And so then also Abner uh, goes and speaks with the people of Benjamin and he speaks uh, with David himself. In fact, here's what happens. David makes a feast for Abner and the 20 men that came with him. Now, I, I skipped a major important part here. Um, Abner, I'm referring back to the map. Everybody looking at the map? He left Mahanaim and he went across the river Jordan and he went into the region of Gibeon, that area that was really close to where David was. And he's just about a, a few miles even from Jerusalem. And so he's invading the territory there. And it's really an act of aggression. Joab, Joab, okay, another character that you need to be familiar with. Joab, who's a major character tonight, he is the general basically of David's army, the, the, the kingdom of Judah. And so they catch word that Abner is on the move and so they intercept them. And so then they have this standoff as, as they had a reservoir that was there. And so Abner, Abner says, send out 12 men and let them fight. And so he sends out 12 and Joab sends out 12 and they grab each other by the head at the same time with the sword and 24 men fall down dead. And then a continued battle ensues. And, and so uh, Asahel, you've got three brothers. You've got Joab, Asahel, and Abishai. And so uh, Asahel is fleet on his feet. Friend, listen, he was really fast and running. He did track and stuff. And so... Totally made that up. Okay, so he's really fast and he's chasing down. He's locked in on one person. He's locked in on, on Abner and Abner tells him, turn aside, I don't want to hurt you because he knew he'd have to deal with his brother Joab. And he knew how that that would go and so he told him to turn aside and eventually and the, uh, Azahel did not turn aside and so the Bible says that Abner took the hinder end of his spear, maybe it was more blunt than the the other side, so you could make a case that Abner wasn't trying to kill Azahel, but the fact is, is that he did. And so maybe he stopped, and when he stopped, he, he went backwards with that, that blunt end of the spear, but it would also be sharpened so they could put their spear in the ground. Are you following what I'm doing right here? And so he ran into it, and that went into his fifth rib, under his fifth rib. So Abner gave Azahel the fifth rib treatment, unintentionally. You say, what's the fifth rib deal? What's that all about? Well, it's his abdomen under his ribs. And, and so it's just a, a reference there. It's, it's the number five. I don't know how else to explain it. Just simply tell you that there's other times. There's about five times when the fifth rib treatment is given. And one of another time actually is Joab. Amasa is going to be appointed by David. And so Joab is going to be jealous of Amasa and he's going to give him the fifth rib treatment. He didn't see that he had the dagger and got him in it. The Bible says that his bowels... His I'm just telling you what the Bible says. His bowels fell on the ground. So it would be a, right there below the ribs. And so he's, he kills him like that. So that happened in the life of Joab's brother, Azahel. Okay. And so then you have this continued battle that goes on. Finally, Abner says, listen, don't you know that if we keep at this, that everybody's going to die. And Abner's the one that started all this. I said, Abner's the one that started all this. And he's acting like, hey, listen, don't you understand how this is going to go? You should have thought about that before you started in on him. Yeah. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to make my voice go so high there, but he should have he should have thought about that before he started in on him. And so, anyways, there he is. And so Joab is called off, and then Joab then Joab goes and fights other battles and taking more land and also taking more spoils. Joab's going to come back right here in our chapter, and no doubt he's a little bit elated because he's been victorious in battle, and there's all these spoils that have been taken that will help the cause and also taking back more territory, more ground and land. And lo and behold, if he doesn't get back there to, to Hebron, but that somebody stops him and says, hey, David just met with Abner and he let him go in peace. Well, if, if Joab had anything in his hand, he let it drop right there. And he marched right in there to David. And re, you read it with me in the text as, as he really just... Um, he really lays in to David. Now, now I, want, I want to put it on pause right there. Okay, I want to draw some things in together. And we're basically looking at this. Why, why, did, um, why did Joab act on his own here? Why did he, in cold blood, murder Abner? We, we've got to get down to that. Okay, we've got to understand some things there. Why did he do that? But wait a minute, before we go there... A man named William Blakey back in the late 1800s pointed out that there are some things that David overlooked here. And I hadn't really thought about that, to be very honest and even transparent with you as to where this information is coming from. But I think it will really help us all if you'll take it into at least in consideration. But David maybe didn't think through Abner just murdered, just killed in battle, I should say. Whoa, wait a minute, not murder killed in battle, Azahel, and has been on the pro-Saul side. He then meets with Abner in this meeting, and no doubt I think David's thinking very purely in this sense. The kingdom can come his way without further bloodshed, and that, listen, sincerely, that would be a blessing. But I just wonder if maybe it would have helped a little bit had David taken into consideration where Joab was in the thought process. Hang on, wait a minute. I think he knew Joab. But David may be thinking something like this. Let's let the past be the past. Let's let bygones be bygones. Which is very important. Because you need to let the past be the past and not allow it to affect the future. Because it'll take over if you don't deal properly with the past. Joab, I'm at verse number 23 and 24 now. Uh, 24 talks about how that Joab then comes into the king and he says, what hast thou done? Harsh, would you agree? Disrespectful? Talking to David? accused uh, Abner of acting deceitfully, which no doubt, I mean, Abner could have been above, not, he wasn't above that. He could have been acting deceitfully and he accused him of taking note of the king's movements and said that he was doing so to be able to take 
an attack on David. I mean, that's what Abner said. I'm, I'm looking again, look at verse number 24. And, and, and he says to David, what hast thou done? And Abner came to thee, why hast thou sent him away? And he's quite gone. Now, you know Abner, you know the son of Ner there, that he's deceiving you and he knows, he wants to know you're going in and out. He's trying to gain military intelligence here. That's what, that's what Joab is accusing Abner of doing. You know, somebody who's bitter doesn't have to have the truth to operate. Joab is hurting here. Joab is upset, obviously, with Abner. I think we also need to take into account, is everybody still following along right here? There's a lot to kind of hold into our minds right here. But I think also Joab may be looking at this from this angle. You know, he was the captain under Saul. I'm the captain under David. What's going to be my position in this new administration? There could at least be, there's nothing in the text that I'm pointing to that says that's what was in the mind of Joab. But if you read enough about Joab, you read that he has that great potential. He certainly accused Abner of plotting against David. And we, we surmised last week that Abner, while waving the banner of Israel, waving the banner of David, was a bit more concerned about his own cape. Because uh, we don't need to think that Abner has some kind of uh, spiritual revival here to where he's now getting right with God. No, he's still thinking about himself and his position. And he realized, I have no future in the administration of Ishbosheth. I think I better switch allegiance over to David. Wait a minute. He already knew that's what God's will was. But watch this. He thought he'd try his will for a little while. And then when his will wasn't working out, then he switched over to David and acted as though he was being pro-David. And I think in many ways he was, but he was mainly concerned about this, Abner. Abner was concerned about Abner. Joab was concerned about Joab. And that's what you've got going on here, this big clash between these two war generals. And, and so uh, there's no response from David. Look at verse number 26. Sorry, verse number 25, he comes in and he wants to know all that you do when you go out. And then when David, I'm sorry, when Joab was come out from David, there's no word from David. No response. Um, we're talking tonight about two ditches. The aggression of Joab, we're about to see it. I'm speculating right here and I don't mind to say it. But I wonder what could have happened right here had David said, Joab, let me talk to you here just a little bit. Let's get some spiritual bearing on this, Joab. Let's get some insight on this, Joab. Uh, Joab, I know how you feel about Azahel. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking how what he might have been, what he could have done right here to maybe kind of Calls this to settle down a little bit. Um, we understand, Joab, from the word of God, that this is a city of refuge. Hebron was a city of refuge. It actually was. It was one of the cities of, of, of refuge, which means this, that if a man had slain another man, he could have come to the city of refuge. Abner has slain Azahel, and he came to the city of refuge. Now, now wait a minute. He didn't do it in cold blood. He did it in battle. That's different than murder. It's different than murder. And, and so uh, God's word would make 
allowance for that. Now, it's unfortunate. It was, it was, it never should have happened. And it was Abner's fault. Come on, isn't that right? It never should have happened. This was a bad deal. This was a bad deed. It never should have happened. It never should have went to those 24 men laying on the ground. This is a man who is clearly out of God's will, doing his own thing, and he's hurting other people in the process. But wait a minute, just because, hang on, we're going somewhere with this. Just because somebody does something wrong in your life that does not authorize you to do something wrong back to them. Are you following this right here? So here is, here is Abner clearly in the wrong, but Joab is going to take it to another level. And David didn't talk to him about that. And again, I'm not trying to pick on David. I'm just simply trying to say, listen, there's a danger when we're dealing with problems. On one hand, we could be on that side where Joab is and doing all kinds of, of aggression and harsh words and harsh treatment, et cetera, et cetera. But there's another side of this of not doing anything, not saying anything and being passive about it. And being gentle, and even David himself is recognizing, I'm weak here. I'm, I'm not acting in strength at this point. And the sons, of, the sons of Zariah here, I mean, they are just out of control. And I don't know what to do with them. Anybody else ever been there before? Knowing something's not right and not doing something about it? You ever done that? You know, sometimes I, I'll just be transparent with you here. I've had both of those responses. As a dad, sometimes I've had to go to the boys and say, hey, listen, I lost it. <laughs> I didn't handle that right. Would you forgive me? Any, any other parents? Come on, I feel a lot better if there's other sinners in here with me here tonight. Yeah, I, I was too harsh. I was unkind. I didn't listen. I didn't try to understand where you're coming from. I didn't think that really mattered <laughs> at the moment, but it really does. I just, I just, I just, I just reacted. I didn't, I didn't respond. I reacted. Hey, listen, there's a difference between reacting and responding. We react. You act like you've been acted towards. We need to respond. Respond means I'm going to God. I'm getting God's word and getting God's guidance and I can respond then. But we're all prone to that flesh stuff where we just in the flesh go off. Joab type stuff. Fifth rib treatment. Okay. But on the other side, I've also been this way where I knew something wasn't right, whether it was with one of the boys or maybe even somebody that I saw something going on. You see a little bit of a change of behavior in, in somebody in church or maybe they've started kind of missing a few services and you think, man, something's not right there. But you know, I don't want to get in their business. Come on now. Wait a minute. That's on the other side of the ditch that can also do some damage. You see a change in behavior, you see a change in speech, you hear a change in speech, you see something online, you, you see something going on, you see a relationship that's beginning to form here that between two individuals and you think, wait a minute, red flag right there, red flag, I, I see a movement in the, in the church congregation as to where people are sitting. I, hey, everybody's got their own spot right in here. I know I can pretty well take roll right here tonight. I know where everybody is. And when you sit over here, it throws me off. Don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. But, but people, some do move around. But sometimes you see people start moving. I'm not saying those in the back or backslid. That's not, somebody's got to sit in the back. Come on, it's just full here tonight. Isn't that right? So somebody's got to do that. But wait a minute. There's, sometimes there can be some telltale signs. And you see some people kind of starting to slide a little bit and go in a, a different direction. And you can get concerned and, and you can see some things. You think, wait a minute, maybe I ought to say something. But, but there's a danger 
of the passivity. In fact, um, I believe it was Blakey that actually acknowledged or recognizes that this paralysis in David is a character flaw that's going to show up later even with his own kids. When he could have done something about it and he didn't. In fact, okay, let me, let me just kind of get it all out here about David and Joab. David is going to recognize with Solomon that Joab should have been dealt with. But he didn't do anything about it and he's telling Solomon, you do something about it. Everybody see that? He did this to Abner. He shed the blood when it was a time of peace. That's what he said, 1 Kings chapter 1. And then he said he also shed the blood of Amasa and, and the same thing. And so David is recognizing there's something here that needs to be dealt with in, Abner, in Joab, but he didn't deal with it. Now he's going to say some things at the end of this chapter because he's going to say, this is wicked, this is wrong, I didn't have any part of it, and may a curse come upon Joab. And there, actually there's a, there's a right approach that he's taking here, but, I, but I, I'm recognizing something unless I am way off, then I think this is the case. There are many ways in which David was taking action with his words when he should have been taking action with his actions. Passivity of David is a danger. Can you think of someone right now that maybe you need to talk to? Okay, look, I'm not, I don't want to have any kind of a validation of a Gestapo where, man, now the eyes are on everybody. And if somebody gets out of, we nail them. No, it ought not be that way. But as a fellow church member, or as a parent, or as a friend, there'd be some times that maybe you could notice, you know, there's not a good attitude right here. There's not good actions here. Not, there's not a clear way of thinking here. There's a change of appearance here that I can't just turn the blind eye to. No word was said to Abner. I'm sorry. Joab. Abner's about two miles away. Joab sends a servant to go tell him come back. At this point, Abner thinks everything's good. Is that right? At this point, Abner thinks everything is just fine. And if David's calling him back, then David's calling him back. It may be that Abishai, his brother, is involved in this because later on David's going to acknowledge that Joab and Abishai are involved in this. Did you read that? Did you see that? So it may be that Abishai, Abishai was involved. If Abishai was involved in that, he's involved at some level, he's involved in some way, then listen, wait a minute. Abishai was with David in chapter 26 when they were at the cave and David had the opportunity to kill Saul and he did not kill Saul. Abishai saw that. So he would know that David would not want Abner slain in this way and yet he proceeded with it because it was his brother that was killed. Here's what they're doing. They're trying to deal with a public crime through a personal vendetta. 
Did you listen to me? They're trying to deal with a public wrong, a public crime, a public wrongdoing, I should say. And yes, this wasn't an act of war. And so listen, they have no grounds to take Abner's life on, on their own. I said, they have no grounds to do this. This was blood revenge. That that was an act of war. What Joab and Abishai, however he was involved, what they were a part of was not an act of war. It was an act of murder. And so he sent a servant there and they called Abner back and Joab was waiting for him in the gates and in the gates of the city, there was these little rooms that were off to the side there. And, and so Joab called him over and, and you know, maybe, I think Abner really doesn't think there's anything wrong at this point. And the next thing you know, Joab has drawn his dagger. It was hidden, no doubt, under his cloak. But actually, Joab was hiding it under the cloak of David's promise of peace. He stabbed Abner. He stabbed him in the same place. You listen to me tonight? He stabbed him in the same place that he stabbed his brother under the fifth rib. He stabbed him in the same place. You did this to my brother. I'm doing this to you. And he fell to the ground. Abner acted on his own. David knew nothing about it. Let me, let me say to you tonight, those that are in authority over you need to know what you're doing. You don't act on your own. I don't act on my own. We don't act on our own. I don't think Brother Copes is here tonight, but Brother Sam, no doubt, could attest to this as well, but Brother Copes is the executive vice president, and that doesn't mean he executes people. It just he, he's getting things done. But I can't tell you how many times Brother Copes has sat across the desk from me, and we have a weekly meeting on Thursdays, and he said, listen, I just want to make sure you know what I know. I just want to, Brother Sam, all right? I just want to make sure you know what I know. And I learned as I was on church staff that I want to make sure that Brother Sam knew what I knew. I didn't want to get caught with information and him say, hey, how, did you know about this? <laughs> Delegation is one thing, right? I mean, you got to delegate and he'd have to trust us and I've got to trust Brother Copes to do things. Come on, I mean, that's just part of it. But when a man is acting on his own, and he's under authority like, like Joab was under David's authority, that's a problem. He's acting on his own. And the reason that he did this is it was just strictly revenge. I want you to think about this. Think about what was at stake here. Here it was that David was to be the king over all Israel. And everything is shaping up in that direction. And with one stab, truly, the whole thing could come unraveled. Because if David was a part of Joab, assassinating or killing Abner, then all of Israel would say, wait a minute, the son of Jesse, David in Judah 
is not pro-Israel. He's pro-Judah. He was a part of killing Abner and the whole thing would have scattered. In fact, one man said it this way. It'd be like birds were just starting to kind of settle down and somebody fired off a shotgun and they would scatter again. That's exactly what could have happened here. And that's why David goes to such great length to say, I want to make it very clear here that I had no part in the killing of Abner. And so he's a part of the funeral procession. He follows in behind the, 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 the casket, we would say. He follows in behind that. He says kind words about Abner. And no doubt, I mean, he means many of them. And, and, and so he's, he's saying these things about Abner. And he's trying to make it very clear to all the people of Israel that he had no part in this, but that it was Joab and and Abishai, that they had a part in this and even had them to, to mourn and build on the clothes of mourning and to demonstrate that, listen, our administration will not operate this way. He had to make a very clear statement because the whole thing could have come unraveled. You see, when you in bitterness are acting on your own, the consequences are bigger than what you often realize and have far more and far reaching consequences than you ever could have thought when you're acting on your own. We've already covered the fact that David maybe should have taken more action. Now I realize it's easy for people that are not a quarterback to sit on the couch and say, here's what I would have done if I would have ran that play. No, I get that. I understand. I'm not trying to be a, I'm not trying to be a Sunday morning or, or Monday morning quarterback and say, well, this is the, what I would have done if I was David. Hey, in the same circumstances, I may have done exactly the same thing. He's your, he's your relative. He's your nephew. And all of Judah could have turned on you. I realize it's a really tough spot. But, but listen, these tough situations in life cause us, should cause us rather to try to do what is best, not just for ourselves, but what's best for the church or what's best for the family. Not just what's easy for me. So Joab, Joab acted on his own here in the murder of Abner. It's very clear, this part is very clear. Because he sought revenge for what he did to his brother Azahel. That would be one reason why he acted on his own right here out of bitterness. I believe there's another reason. He didn't believe David was going to do anything about it. What do you think? <clears throat> if David, as our king, is not going to do anything about this, then I'm going to have to. The bottom line is this. Joab had no grounds to do what he did. And really, acting the way he did in bitterness only made things worse. And that's why we came to the, come to this truth here. Those who act in bitterness act on their own. You know, I thought about it this way. I thought about um, what Joab could have done. Instead of coming in and saying to David, what have you done? Okay. Maybe he could have said, David, I'm struggling with this right here. Do you feel the different spirit right there? Hey, um, 
I'm hurting right here. I'm having a hard time with this. Could, could you help me see this from a different vantage point? Because all I can see right now is that he killed my brother. I wonder if Joab would come in with that spirit. I wonder if things had gone differently. I'm, I'm tossing that out there because we can't change a thing about what happened in the life of Joab and Abner and Azel and so forth. But right now you've got an opportunity where somebody maybe that has hurt you or is hurting you or way in the past has hurt you. And right now you could handle things in a way that's either going to let God remain the one in charge and in control. Or if in bitterness you go ahead and act on your own, then, then you'll just make things worse. It's not a time for you to grab your dagger to pra practice a personal vendetta. I like what uh, Brother Joe Dickinson, he wrote a book on 2 Samuel, pastors at Hillcrest. He said this, Joab was not interested in what, what was good for the king. He was not interested in what was good for the kingdom. He wasn't worried about right and wrong. He was only thinking about how he felt and how to get revenge. And that was true then and it can be true now. What you and I need to be concerned about is our king and his kingdom. And we need to be concerned about what is right and what is wrong. And we know what is wrong and we ought not do what is wrong. And, and I, I, I like when I'm thinking about maybe interpersonal conflict. Hey, listen, you cannot control the way the person drove on the way to church here tonight. They were crowding you. They didn't give you room to get in. Is that right? Come on, does it feel better for you to acknowledge that? They didn't get, were you the one? They, they were crowding, you wouldn't let you get in. And you could say, all right, bud, I'm gonna, or, or all right, <laughs> bud's probably safe. All right, bud, I'm gonna teach you how to drive in Oklahoma and you crowd up on him. That'd be the last time you ever crowd in on me or ever you go slow and I'm gonna teach you. You have just enrolled in my drive-in school. They're doing wrong does not give you authority to do wrong. So you can't control how other people are driving. You can't control how other people are talking. You can't control what other people are saying. You can't control what people do on social media. You can't control what people email. You can't control what people say to you in the foyer. You can't control what people say to you out there in the, out there in the parking lot. You can't control what somebody says to somebody else out there in the parking lot. You can't control if somebody says, hey, won't you come out here to the parking lot? You can't control any of that. You can't control what people say at work. You can't control what people do at work. You can't control how people treat you at work. You can't control how your dad treated you or how your mom treated you. You can't control how your brother or your sister did. You can't control how somebody treated you in high school or in elementary school. You can't control all those things. But here's what you can control by the grace of God, what your response is in that. And it's not time for you to take your dagger and take things into your own hands, but rather you ought to do this, let vengeance belong to God and you just give him place because otherwise you're acting in bitterness and bitterness causes you to act on your own and somebody said this about bitterness bitterness is kind of like somebody drinking poison and hoping it hurts the other person that bitterness is not going to hurt the other person it's hurting you and I'm not validating what they did. I'm not minimizing what they did. I'm not, uh, I'm not minimizing how they hurt you or your family. But listen, if you allow them to continue to hurt you and your family over and over and over again, and you take things in your own hands, you're only making things worse. 
I do want to thank God tonight that there are some in this very auditorium that have had some very difficult situations that tried to handle it. And, and listen, no, every one of us have been in those times where we've handled it on our own. We've acted in bitterness and, and we've tried to hurt the other person that way. But maybe you came to your senses, you got right with God, and then you handle it in a different way with a meek and quiet spirit. Not, not just rolling over, letting them do whatever they wanted to, but, but even being firm. You can be firm and loving all at the same time. And you began to handle it in a different way. And you were very communicative and you spoke with them and you prayed for them and you began to reach out to them and maybe even took them to eat a bite of lunch or something like that. And you try to be a friend to them and, and you were kind to them even when they weren't kind to you. Watch this. I've seen some that took that approach that God moved in on that situation and began to work even in the other person's heart and change their heart. One man said this, no torment. There is no torment like inner torment of bitterness, which is the byproduct of an unforgiving spirit. It refuses to be soothed. It refuses to be healed. It refuses to forget. And then he said this, there is no prison more damaging than the bars of bitterness, which will not let the battle end. That's what Joab did. He didn't let the battle end. Now listen. You may not agree with the way a situation is being handled. You may not agree with people that are in authority. You may not agree with your pastor. You may not agree with administration. You may not agree with your spouse or the way your spouse is dealing with the situation. You may not agree with your parents and the way they're handling something and on and on. But your hurt and disagreement does not authorize you to act on your own. Everybody get that? Your hurt and your disagreement does not authorize you to act on your own. It does not authorize you to use harsh words. Well, hey, look, they used harsh words to me. So that authorizes you? You see, we don't think clearly when we're in life rage. I mean, road rage, life rage. It doesn't authorize you to use harsh treatment. It does not authorize you to give them the cold shoulder. There may be somebody here in this auditorium you've not spoke to in years. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Well, I hope you haven't told a bunch of people why. I'll tell you. It's because they... So you got authorization from God to treat them that way? It does not authorize you to spread gossip. It does not authorize you to lie about them. It does not authorize you to leave church. Well, fine, I'll just, I'll just get out of church. Did God authorize you to do that? No. It's only going to make matters worse. Their cheating on you doesn't mean authorize you to cheat on them. 
Hey, listen, I know this is not fun stuff to work through and talk through, but it's real life stuff. It does not authorize you to take all their funds. It does not authorize you to retaliate. Because listen to this, and I'm finished here tonight. Those who act in bitterness act on their own. But I want you to consider this. Consider what you jeopardize when you act in bitterness. You're going to hurt more than you're fixing. Everybody hear that? I think in our minds we think, I'll fix this. I'll fix them. I'll fix that. But in the process of fixing it, you break it. And you end up breaking more than you fix. Your bitterness will hurt more than the person you're trying to hurt. It'll hurt you. It could blow up and hurt a whole family. It could cause division within a church. And it could even keep somebody from coming to Christ. Turn to Romans 12 and we're finished here tonight. Bitterness and resentment do not authorize you to hurt those who have hurt you. Let God deal with that which you should not. I'm going to read that to you one more time, just this little statement here. And then we'll read scripture and we'll have invitation. The bitterness and resentment do not authorize you to hurt those who hurt you. Let God deal with those. Let God deal with that which you should not. And the bottom line that David said is what should be. He said, let God deal with this. And that was right. Verse 17 of Romans 12, I'm just going to read these verses and let you kind of take them in. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. That literally means this, step back, you're getting out of line. Give, give place. Oh, here. Give place unto wrath. Who, who would you give place unto? Well, look at the rest of the verse here. Give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, some Christians just read it this way. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Don't forget the source, saith the Lord. Therefore, verse 20, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You said, man, that sounds real good. That's what I'm about. Let's do that. No, that's a positive thing. It's not like, yeah. No. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, tonight, I'd recognize there's a Joab in me. There's a Joab in all of us. There can be ways also that we can act like David, passive when we should be more assertive. 
And so, God, I pray that you'd help us tonight. So many angles to this, so many things to consider. I thank you for the help we get from your word. Lord, would you help us not to be vengeful, retaliate, hurt others like they've hurt us. May that not be the case. And I don't know that it's anything that someone is specifically dealing with here tonight, not to my knowledge, but you know. And I pray that you'd help us tonight to follow your admonition in Scripture, both by this example of Joab and Abner and David, as well as the admonition of Paul in Romans 12. In Jesus' name, amen.